Howdy folks and welcome to the latest episode of the Varsity Podcast, podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore High School sports. From the Friday Night Drive, I'm Michael Dwojek here with the record North Shore founding member Joe Coughlin. We are uh, seven weeks deep into the football season. We've got two more regular season matchups to talk about, so we are really getting into it. Um, we have some state golf to talk about in this week's episode, and we've got playoffs starting for um, boys or uh, yeah, boys soccer and volleyball happening. So we are uh, getting into the end of the fall season here. So we've got a lot to talk about in this week's episode. We're going to do four quarters as we usually do. In the first quarter, we're going to recap um, week seven of the football action. In the second quarter, we're going to be joined by Nutrier Boys golf coach Pete Drevlin. In the third quarter, we play way or no way. And then in the fourth quarter, we preview week eight. We are uh, really getting into it now with our playoff uh, drives and seating and all that kind of stuff. So we've got some good stuff to talk about in uh, the fourth quarter as we look forward to the final two weeks. But let's start things off here now in the first quarter by talking about week seven, um, two wins for our area, one loss for uh, the North Shore area. And let's start things off, Joe, with um, Loyola's 34-22 to win over Providence on Friday night in New Lenox. Um, Loyola, for the second straight week, falling behind 7 nothing, um, but uh, able to come back and hold on for a 34-22 to win and kind of a game, Joe, that we kind of expected from this Ramblers team where um, they were able to prevail toward the end and um, you know, are the better team at this point, but Providence showing just how good of a team it is being able to, you know, come back, uh, make it a one score game, 28 to 22, heading into the fourth quarter. And then uh, Loyola able to pick up that um, go ahead score to uh, run away and uh, earn their seventh win of the season. Yeah, the Celtics gave themselves a chance. Um, I thought we, we expected it to be more like a two score game for most of it, but Providence came all the way back. Uh, for a one possession game in the fourth, um, fourth quarter until uh, Loyola put it away with a long pass to Declan Ford. He had two more on the day. I think he's got 10 uh, receiving touchdowns on the year. So Jake Sterney was like 79 or 78% completion percentage on the day. He had a great day throwing the football. Um, I think they had a young uh, running back in there too. So we saw some different um, – <clears throat> I shouldn't say that uh, we saw some different, but most of it, uh, what we expect from Sterney and his receiving core, but Luke Foster from, I believe the sophomore team came up and had a nice day running the football. Um, I'm not sure where they are injury wise with that, but that's something to keep an eye on as we head toward the postseason. Uh, but they got another challenge on the road and they've survived both of them. Um, and I think, you know, we, we scored four straight to take that three touchdown lead. So, uh, we felt pretty good about um, who they are. and The Ramblers were, were in control there for most of the football game. Um, so now they come back home for two in a row, and let's see if they get comfortable before week nine. Yeah, the offense was really able to show just how dynamic it is, you know, regardless of who it is. I mean, like you mentioned, Sterney completed 76% of his passes for 115 yards and uh, two touchdowns. Um, two touchdowns, and then Spencer Ledbetter had five receptions for 78 yards, Eklund Ford. Um, sorry, Ford finished with 115 yards and two touchdowns. Um, so regular guys you saw there, but yeah, for big for Foster to come through, we don't know what the situation is with the running back. You know, I know 
Um, Kyan Gibbs was also involved in it. So sometimes it is just pretty much Coach Halasek in the offense changing out running backs and getting different guys involved as uh, we've kind of seen throughout the years. But um, kind of what we expected from the offense and um, maybe a little bit concerning from the defense being able to uh, put up late scores. I don't know exactly who was in um, those games later on in the fourth quarter to make it a 28-22 drive, but um, the offense was really able to pick up where it has for most of the year and uh, came up big when uh, the Ramblers needed them to. Yeah, the defense allowing those two late touchdowns is more concerning than the first score. The first score was like a 75 or 80-yard bomb um, that kind of shocked the Ramblers, and um, you don't want those things to happen, of course, but uh, – they're more of uh, outliers than they are kind of a um, um, constants and for that Ramblers defense. So um, we'll see if it was maybe they put their, you know, um, second units into early or they just got a little bit, had a mental lapse there to allow two in a row. Uh, but you won't be able to do that in a couple of weeks. Now we have St. Pat's, right? St. Pat's coming to town on, uh, on Saturday. Uh, so a chance for them to, I believe get right a little bit. St. Pat's a good team, but not a great team like Loyola. So uh, it'll be, uh, um, um, it should be a Loyola win, I should say. And we'll see if they can straighten things out before Mount Carmel comes down. Yeah, you need to pick up those wins and kind of straighten things out. We'll talk more about that in the fourth quarter when we preview um, their week eight matchup against St. Patrick's. But Loyola moving 7-0, to um, still undefeated in the season, Class 8A. So uh, Ramblers heading, uh, hitting the right stride that they need to, um, even if it was a little bit closer than they expected um, on Friday night. Let's move on over now. New Trier uh, hosting GBS um, in a 24 to seven loss. Um, kind of what we expected, Joe. Maybe not to the exact to the level we expected. So that's probably a good sign for uh, the New Trier defense allowing 24 points. But um, the offense not really able to get much going against a uh, strong Titans defense. And um, in, a, in a game like this, kind of seeing the difference at talent level at this point uh, between the two programs. Yeah, you know, you just don't have that margin of error when you're that young and still developing against good football teams. And I think we saw a big, a, a big chunk of evidence for that Um theory uh, on on Friday night it's just you know Nutrier had some chances here and there they made some stops here and there but then they'd kind of trip over themselves a little bit and um, you know you know get a they'd get a three and out but then they would also produce a three and out you know it, things they didn't take advantage of or you gotta you gotta really press to to, to accomplish these things in big moments uh, and they just kind of fell short a little bit against a good team and obviously GBS is at a farther point and they mitigated those mistakes on their end um, it was really a pretty good football game. You know, uh, I think they were more evenly matched than the score says, uh, as, as Nutrier's kind of developing still. I mean, they were without their starting running back again. Um, Jackson McCary, who played two games, he, he started the season injured, played two games, had a couple touchdowns and some big yardage, and then he hurt his shoulder and now he's out again. So I, I actually don't know. I meant to ask um, our reporter, Marty, how many times that, uh, um, Patrick Hennigan threw the ball because it was every down. I only, I bet they only had outside of scrambles, five design runs, maybe seven. Um, they were just throwing the ball all over the place. And that's why you saw um, a couple guys that, you know, Miles Kermascoli had, you know, eight catches. It racked up 175 yards. Um, he's produced again, does what he does. Um, 
They brought up a sophomore um, receiver, big guy, Trey Myers. He's a big baseball guy. Um, I think he's around 6'5", just a big – he's going to put some weight on too as he develops a little bit, and he's going to be a scary guy on, if he keeps up with football. I'm not sure if he's a receiver or uh, a tight end, but he's uh, he caught a bunch of balls, and he caught the only touchdown. So some good things, some bad things. The defense looked good in spurts, but you know at times they just couldn't get off the field on third down or fourth down. Uh, I think GBS kind of knew where they had an advantage there and took it and uh, and executed when they had those third and fourth downs and um, Nutria couldn't get off the field. And those are the mistakes we're talking about or um, not execution um, on execution, in execution, in execution when uh, when you're young and developing. Yeah, the Trevian's best offensive quarter came in the third when they cut uh, GBS's lead to 10 points, um, three yard pass from quarterback Patrick Hennigan. Uh, to Trey Maris, like I talked about, completed eight-yard, eight-play, um, 68-yard drive. So you saw possibilities um, for what they're able to do. I don't know if that play happened, you know, at the beginning of the third quarter where you're kind of more scripted as opposed to what you are um, as you get deeper into the game. But, um, yeah, you see some progress there. And it is interesting to see how things would be different if Hannigan wasn't, you know, forced to – throw the ball in every play and hit Carmascoli all the different plays. They had a run game and maybe that thing gets more dynamic. But um, yeah, I think it's interesting to just look at what, at this point, you're kind of looking at progress and you're looking at what you can see. And um, it's really interesting to see just what Hennigan's able to do controlling this offense, hitting his different receivers and trying to, you know, dictate what to do and what to um, make happen um, as we continue to like look forward to these next two matchups. Yeah. Um the development's there and Hennigan's been able to make all the throws, but he's also made some decisions or hasn't finished some of the throws. I think they were up 17 to seven and they were charging Nutrier was, and we had interception and maybe a ball that was underthrown, And we had another interception right after GBS scored. So it's just those things where in those moments, maybe we got to make better decisions or just um, better throws uh, and, I'm not picking on him. It sounds like I am um, because he's been, he's been really uh, a bright, uh, bright light for them this year. Um, it's just in those pressure situations. It's hard for a sophomore. He's learning on the go in games that they're, you know, uh, they're competitive in. So um, the mistakes are going to happen. I'm just, I'm really pleased the defense does look better too. I mean, uh, you saw one big play from GBS, but you also saw this long drive and that means they weren't giving up big plays. They were giving up, you know, six, five, four at a time, and GBS just wore them down. That's what GBS does, and it was one of the things we were scared of. But uh, the growth is there. We'll see how it, if they can get uh, a couple or see if we can get a win against Niles West and then compete against Maine South. I think that's the goal. All right, let's move on over now to Highland Park, who had an impressive uh, win against Maine East, taking them down 46-7. to seven. Uh, Giants rode out to a 46 to nothing lead uh, in the third quarter. Junior quarterback David Finford threw for three touchdowns, two to Nico Rosenblum, and one to Emmett Polk. Uh, Finford finished his night with 228 passing yards, completing 18 of 25. Um, Nick Bloomer caught five of those passes for 101 yards, um, while Poult had five receptions for 60 yards. Um, an impressive showing for Highland Park, Joe, but also kind of something we expected from the Giants. Obviously, Mamie's not at the same level and uh, pretty much a get-right game as you prepare for your final two here and uh, try to pick up that fifth win of the season. Yeah, it's a game. It's a get-right game on paper, but you got to make sure you do it um, on the field, and they did. 
Um, I think their uh, loss to Deerfield, as we talked about last week, kind of shook them a little bit. Um, and they wanted to uh, come back in and really get ready for those last two games. So now they got that fourth win. They took out Maine East pretty efficient, pretty uh, – they executed. Um, and uh, they got the running game going a little bit. Their defense was right there where it needs to be because, um, you know, Maine East is, is improving. You know, we're talking about a team who – had like a state long losing streak and they got off that schneid this year and um, you know, they're getting better. So um, it's, you know, it's nice to, to hold them down for three plus quarters. And uh, yeah, I think they needed this. Now they have two toughies um, maybe not on paper with Vernon Hills, but it is tough. And as well as Maine West, which is um, up there just right with um Highland Park at second place right now in the CSL North. So two, two, these aren't gimmies in these last two games, but they need to win one or two to qualify, two to both of them to be uh, automatic qualifiers. All right, we'll talk more about them in the fourth quarter, but let's move on over now to the second quarter where we are joined by Nutria Boys golf coach Pete Drevlin, um, the coach of your 2022 Class 3A Boys Golf uh, State Champions. Um, Joe, I know you got a chance to catch up with uh, Coach after the big win. Uh, what are the folks at home going to hear? Well, we talked about getting, uh, you know, making it happen, making a state championship happen. Um, Coach Drevline, Trevs, Trevs are a state power in golf. We know that. But they've had a ton of second-place finishes. Uh, off the top of my head, I think it's like seven in 12 years. Um, and no state trophies in those 12 years. They have won. Um, back in the early 2000s. But uh, yeah, we talked about what it's like to be the, the Buffalo Bills of IHSA boys golf. And, uh, and then, well, not anymore. So congrats to them. All right, let's take a listen. I think you guys were up 10 strokes. And uh, I don't know if your players could tell or feel it on the course, but did you feel it as a coach that the, the, the stress? Uh, oh, yeah. I was very superstitious by not checking the I Want to Maker app, which is the, uh, on, on uh, my scoring. Uh, but I kind of was checking uh, through our coaches. Our other, uh, Coach John Nash did an excellent job this weekend. He was letting me know where we're at. Um, but the, the guys knew all the time, and, and uh, they knew we knew that teams would be cutting for us, you know, and uh, they prevailed at the end. And you built that lead on Friday. Uh... Talk about Friday. That you know what uh, what was key to that performance? Uh, just we had a game plan. You know, we were uh, we, these guys are uh, surgeons out there. They really dissect the course, and uh, we told them just to have fun. You're, you're out there to play golf, and that's the big thing. You know, you play the game because uh, you love it, and uh, going out there and executing was part of the plan. Is really be smart and uh, don't get yourself in trouble. And then they did an excellent job. Yeah, so I think uh, I don't have the leaderboard in front of me right now, but I know, you know, Johnny's and Alex was right there in the top 10, I believe. Uh, and so just uh, these are guys who have been on varsity for a while, right? So did the experience help? Well, there's no doubt. Uh, you know, this is a credit to the Crimean family that never won two for a while in that. And uh, older brother Charlie played for uh, me. He was a great player playing at Georgetown right now. And uh, it was exciting to have multiple Trevians in that, that leaderboard. And uh, Johnny prevailed, but it was a uh, be a good family dinner tonight at <laughs> the Crimean household. Okay, and yeah, just um, your whole team was, uh, if, if, well, a lot of the guys have, have been there before. What kind of role does that 
play in that they've been to this state tournament before? Well, it's experience helps when you're on the tee box. You know, we talk a lot about that during the season. Um, some of the top, toughest competition we have is within practice, too. We want to put pressure on them so when they're actually in that state tournament, it's just like any other day, but it's not. We, we know it's not, but we try to kind of – uh, put them in situations to where they won't be that nervous. But uh, when you're nervous in that situation, that's a good thing because that means you have a passion for the game and it means something to you. So being nervous is okay. But uh, we want to have that experience so that nervous does not overtake uh, their swing thought process. And I think, you know, we talked about this, I think, last year a little bit with the second place finish, and, and there's been a few of those over the past few years. I don't know, was that – did that become a thing, second place, third place? Was it was it kind of like a chip on your guys' shoulder? Oh, no doubt. Yeah, that's for sure. We don't want to be a – we kind of had the Buffalo Bills for a while. You know, it's <laughs> four in a row, and, uh, you know, we had to get that monkey off our back. And then these guys, for the rest of their lives, can call themselves state champions. That's the cool thing. Okay. that You know, that's really all I had. I appreciate it. I hope you're enjoying it. Anything else you wanted to add? I just want to, again, thank uh, my assistant coach, John Nash, for his yeoman's work all season. But this weekend, really, he's a uh, calming force with the team and really helps him out. He was, uh, he was outstanding. Thanks so much for joining us, Coach, and congratulations uh, to the Trevians for winning the state championship. Obviously, a big accomplishment and finally able to get over that hump. Um, a really big accomplishment for not only these players, but for the program. So why don't we move on over now to the third quarter where we'll play our weekly game of way or no way. Joe and I argue or agree upon five propositions and say whether they can happen way or no way they cannot happen. We're going to stick with those Nutria Boys Golf uh, State Champions. Way or no way, Joe, uh, Nutria Boys Golf winning a state championship is the best redemption story in school history. Oh, redemption story. That is so uh, littered with information I don't have in front of me. Um, <laughs> there's got to be a lot of good redemption stories. This is a really good one, though. It's just, you know, and it's it's kind of an embarrassment of riches type of story, like, oh, uh, boo-hoo, second place. But, you know, that really was, a, as Coach Drevline said, a monkey on their backs for for years. They'd get down there, and they'd be the, the bridesmaid, not the bride. But this year, they uh, they took care of business. Um, so it's up there. I'm trying to think of other good redemption stories for you. Um, you know, swimming has some after some top five finishes, finally, you know, uh, claiming it, but they've done it so many times. Um, I will, I'll say no way. There's, there's definitely something I'm probably missing in, in the big sports too, with good redemption. Um, so, uh, but it's certainly a good story. I'm going to go with the way just for the fun story and just <laughs> to think that, uh, you know, it's like for, it's going and doing it for so many years and being second place. And like we said, like, yeah, oh, that's a tough world to be in second place in state, but you obviously want to win and as a program want to win. So, I mean, just to be able to do that for how long they were doing that, being the bridesmaid and not the bride, like, I just feel like that you pretty much, we had figured it out and you finally did it. So I think it's definitely uh, the best redemption story uh, in school history. And if it's not, then prove me wrong with facts. Um, all right, let's move on over to the second one. Nutria Girls Golf had a strong finish um, at the state meet. 
uh, as a team. They were able to uh, finish in the as six at the state meet. Um, way or no way, Joe, that uh, New Trier Girls Golf can return next year and finish with a better finish than this year? I'll say way, just because they can every year. And you look at that roster, obviously, Amy, uh, that lineup, I should say, Amy Bean Blossom was the star all year. Um, that's why she's playing college golf. And uh, she proved it again, tying for, I think, maybe fifth all by herself in, on the individual side. And uh, she was backed up by um, a bunch of underclassmen. Um, and we're talking young, you know, freshmen and sophomores. Uh, Alexa Green is a sophomore, and uh, uh, Grace Lieber is a freshman. Um, so um, they've got a bright future ahead of them, and surprise, surprise. I mean, they've made it to, I think, 24 straight state tournaments, and they've finished in the top 10 in 23 straight. And so they are legit every single year. Uh, it's, a, it's a golf, you know, a state trophy factory there. So uh, I think they can come back and, and maybe finish in the top five. And then within a couple of years, if not next year, we're going to see a state trophy or two for sure. Yeah, I think I'll go with Way with you as well. I think that they can definitely uh, do better and compete um, at a higher level and earn a better finish. I think they bring a lot of good talent, like you mentioned. And um, I think there's definitely a possibility. So I'm going to go with Way. Um, definitely um, they're going to, uh, you know, come back next season with a higher finish. Um, way or no way, Joe, third uh, question. I feel like this one's kind of a duck question, um, but I'm still going to ask it anyways. Way or no way that the Loyola girls volleyball eight match win streak is coming at the right time? Yeah, big way. Um, and in a good tournament, you know, they took down um, some big teams in that, uh, I think it's called the Discovery Tournament at, at Glenbrook North. And um, it's always fun too, because it's local. So you get to see a lot of talent both coming from outside, but also local teams that you're going to see in the sectional round and see where they're at, they are at this point in the season. Um, it's just good to see, and it's good to see that they're they're kind of high-pointing it right now to to make a volleyball pun um, and playing their best, best ball come playoff time, which is only two weeks away, I believe. Yeah, I think I'll definitely go with the way pretty easy one over there for all the reasons you said. There's never a bad time for an eight-match winning streak, and um, you obviously want to keep that going as the playoffs continue. Um, way or no way, Joe, New Trier Girls Volleyball faces off against uh, CSL leader GBS uh, next week. Uh, way or no way that they can beat New Trier, they can beat GBS for a share of the CSL South title? I think way. I think they can. I think they're building something here. And um, as we talked about earlier in the season when I saw them, they had a lot of newbies in positions newbies to varsity who were also newbies to different position as they were kind of moving things around as they were kind of setterless um, at the beginning of the season. And, and they, they figured that out. So it takes a while to get comfortable and run that offense. And they've gotten some big wins and they've kind of dropped some matches as well, but um, um, they've also gotten the big wins and they're sitting kind of in a good spot in the conference with just one loss, uh, pretty good record at about, you know, 18 and five, 18 and six or so. Um, so they're in a good spot this season. They're a good team. I think they can take down GBS. It'll be a good, good match. Yeah, I think it'll be a good match. Like you said, they lost to GBS already earlier in the season, but I think that they'll, speaking of redemption, they'll look for some redemption and try to pick up that win so uh, they can win a uh, share of the title. And I think that's uh, definitely a way. Uh, speaking of CSL South titles, we got some controversy with the Nutria boys soccer team uh, losing <laughs> the CSL South title. Um, because of points, uh, Nutria finishing with no losses in conference play, but two ties 
Um, and uh, Evanston finishing with four wins. Way or no way, Joe, that Nutria Boys Soccer uh, deserved that title? I mean, yeah, I think way. Um, you could play that transitive game while Evanston beat GBN and GBS and Nutria tied them, but nobody beat Nutria and they beat Evanston. So how does Evanston get it? But it is, you know, it's not, it's objective. It, it's strictly on the point system. So Evanston's four wins are worth more than Nutria's three wins, even though Evanston has a loss and Nutria doesn't. That's just how it goes. And, and I don't think they're, uh, I don't think uh, coach is upset by it. I think they're more upset that they tied those games and they could have won. They could have beaten GBS and GBN, even if they won one of those games and they're sitting uh, as the, uh, the conference champs. So it's a little bit on them, but I think that point system is a little, a little sketch and uh, probably deserves a little um, reconfiguration to make it completely equal. It's not the best system, but we're talking about conference and these teams have bigger aspirations in play. Yeah, I think I'll go with way though. I kind of agree with this point system. I mean, you don't want to tie. I mean, that's a pretty simple way of accomplishing this and making sure you don't find yourself in the situations. But yeah, it does seem weird to have um, a team with no losses now win the title compared to someone who did win or had a loss and beat loss to the team that finished second. And so, yeah, I think way they definitely deserved it. Um, definitely uh, interesting point, maybe different awarding points for different things. Um, a little bit differently for the upcoming season. But, yeah, I think way they definitely um, deserved it. All right, let's move on over now to the fourth quarter where we will look forward to week eight of football action. Man, we're really getting toward the end there. We've got some good matchups here to finish uh, or start the finish of the regular season. Um, let's start things off, Joe, with um, Nutrier and Niles West. Um, a game that we, I'm sure we both kind of expect uh, Nutria um, to probably win. Nutria three and four traveling to uh, Skokie to take on Niles West two and five. Um, Joe, just a matchup that I think the Trevians will probably be, be able to prevail in. A game that they must have if they have any hopes of uh, wanting to qualify for the postseason. Yeah, it's definitely a must have. And, uh, they got to be focused though. This could, you know, Niles West is not a bad football team. Um, excuse me. So they got to be ready to come out and play here and they got to take care of business. Um, and if they do that, then, then we can worry about Maine South. And I think coach Dahl made that point, but uh, take care of this one first. Get, this is a get right game. Like we talked about HP last week. This is Nutrier's get right game before a huge matchup with Maine South. Uh, obviously with their season on the line, if it comes to that. So um, some things just, just take care of business. You got to execute. Let's work on some things that we're going to, we're going to do against Maine South um, and uh, hopefully get a little bit of a run game going or some, 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 some other options on your offensive end. So you're not so reliant on throwing the ball 50 times in a high school game, which is really, really difficult. What, what are you, what side of the ball are you kind of looking to see progress from? I mean, obviously I know you want to see progress from both sides and you want to see both, you know, all three phases to do well, but what are you still kind of itching about and having questions about that you kind of feel like would kind of get solved here if you saw a strong performance from them against the Wolves? I mean, the defense, while I think it's certainly gotten better since the, the Stevenson days in week two, um, we need to get off the field on third down and a lot of teams just really 
short package situations, short schemes, whether they're outs or dump offs or straight up running at them on third and fourth down, and they're picking it up. Um, New Cheers got to get a better push on the line and they got to tackle better around the line of scrimmage. Like I said, I think it's better, uh, but they're still picking up yards on them and got to get that defense off the field and get that offense on and sustain drives, things like that. But defense is on the field for, for too long. Even if they eventually stop a team, sometimes the team picks up a few first downs and that nine minute GBS drive was just excruciating. Uh, I'm sure for that defense to, to deal with as they march down the field. So that's something I want to see just tackling, getting off the field and turning the ball over to your offense. All right. We'll get a score from you later on in the fourth quarter, but why don't we, uh, Move on over now where we have Highland Park hosting Vernon Hills um, in a critical matchup for the Giants. Uh, Giants looking for their fifth win of the season. Vernon Hills at one and six um, so far this season. Um, So a really interesting matchup here for uh, the Giants where kind of like Maine East, you don't want to look ahead to an opponent. You don't want to look above an opponent or anything like that, but um, I mean, Vernon Hills, like you mentioned earlier, has been a little bit tricky. Only lost to Deerfield by three points. Um, lost to Maine West, thirty-six to thirteen. Beat Niles North, forty-two to nothing. Lost to Conan, forty-nine to fourteen. Lost to Rolling Meadows a lot. Lost by one point to Lakes, and then lost by twelve points to Grays Lake North. So um, Vernon Hills has been in a lot of these games, but I do think that in order to be a playoff team, you need got to win games like this and. Um, I don't think it's really that far of a stretch to expect a playoff team to win a game against a one uh, one and six opponent like Vernon Hills. No. And uh, this, this is, I think Highland park wants to get number five this week. They don't want to put all that pressure on the last week. They want it this week. Um, I'm sure they're talking about it in practice, just, you know, everything from not looking ahead to getting win number five to, you know, competing even for the, conference championship if they uh you know some things turn their way with Deerfield and uh, they got Main Weston last week so uh it's a big week for them um I expect them to come out fired up I expect that defense is key for me I think their offense can move the ball I think they got those playmakers uh that can do really good things on the offensive end against anybody it's that it's that defense against good opponents that I really want to see shine I think it's capable of it I mean we even saw them do some good things against big dogs like Hersey and Buffalo Grove. So let's see that again in this game. Let's come to play. Let's take the ball away, uh, which I think they'll do. And uh, they do that. They'll be in great shape. And I think once they do get the ball in good territory, uh, they're capable of punching it in. So I think that's the playbook for them to execute well and take down uh, win number five. Yeah, I think it'll be, I agreed with you where I think you have to, you got pick it up now you don't want to leave that up to Maine West especially with Maine West being they're three and four but they're two and one in conference play right now so I think Highland Park definitely wants to get right and um, figure things out against this team where yeah you show it against Maine East that you're able to throw the ball you're able to you know play really strong defense do it against a team that's slightly better and then that's pretty much what's separating you in the playoffs. I think we saw earlier in the season that this team was able to do those types of things and really able to kind of, you know, make plays when they need to uh, against big opponents. It didn't happen against Deerfield. And maybe that Deerfield game is a game where they learn from those mistakes and kind of become better from them. But yeah, I think what we saw against Layden, 
what we saw against Niles North and obviously what we saw against Maine East, that should be the team that shows up against Vernon Hills. And I think that definitely can happen on Friday if they play to their potential and don't really beat themselves, um, which kind of happened in Deerfield. So it'd be really interesting to see which team kind of gets off the bus on Friday and how motivated they are. Yeah. Yeah. Going to be good. I'm excited for that one. All right. Let's uh, we got Loyola uh, hosting St. Patrick on Saturday. Ramblers hosting their final two games of the regular season. St. Patrick entering this matchup um, with a four and three record losing to Fenwick last week, 36 to 27. Um, they lost to St. Rita 27 to nothing earlier in the season and uh, Niles Notre Dame 35 to 14 earlier in the year. Um, they picked up a first week one win against St. Ignatius, um, which was impressive. And then uh, one against uh, Marion Catholic uh, 32 to 25 in overtime. So um, Joe, in this matchup, it just pretty much feels like a game like we talked about where um, heading into such a big matchup against Mount Carmel and that's as a coach and as a player you don't want to look ahead but I mean how could you not look ahead to week nine with probably the two best teams in the state facing off against each other for a conference for a division crown um, I feel like Saturday's game is going to say a lot about Loyola as the last two games have kind of said a lot about Loyola where um, how are you going to face an opponent that obviously I think you're much more talented, but you have bigger numbers. You're much more talented than um, St. Patrick. So how are you going to approach that knowing what lies ahead in week nine? I think that's going to say a lot about the Ramblers. And I think this three-week stretch, like capitalizing this three-week stretch here, is going to say a lot about Loyola, where Loyola was able to come back and beat Maris, come back and beat Providence on the road um, and face adversity. And I think now when you have a home game against an opponent that you should win by double digits, um, how do you approach that ahead of week nine matchup against Mount Carmel? Yeah, interesting week of, um, I guess, prep for all those reasons you listed. Um, and I'm also interested because, you know, we saw some new faces in the backfield for Loyola. So mixing those guys in with with the guys who have produced all season and, and kind of just, is this a week you can at least kind of <clears throat> nurse some of your injuries? Obviously, you're not sitting people, but nurse some of your injuries here um, and it's safe to do so with your depth and your talent. Um, and I think it might be, but you know, as we talked about with Highland park, we want to execute here and we want to take care of business early and uh, anything we need to work on for Highland park, we get those things in, we try them out without giving away too much on film. I'm sure um, the Ramblers don't want to do that. Um, before the biggest game of the year, but uh, we got to take care of business, man. We got to do it early. And I think they will. Um, I think we'll be pumped up to be back home after a couple games on the road. Saturday afternoon in Wilmette is a tough place, but it's, it's a great place if you're a Rambler. So um, I think they're excited to do that and they'll take care of business um, early and often in my opinion. Yeah. I think the Loyola defense will be able to neutralize anything that the offense for St. Patrick wants to do. And as we've seen, Pretty much throughout the season, this Loyola offense has not really struggled to score and has not really struggled to, you know, put up big numbers. I think that Maris game was probably the toughest thing. And again, that was only truly because Maris just ran the ball and took a lot of time off the clock. So it's really interesting to see how this off. I don't see a re- way that St. Patrick will be able to uh, stop this Loyola offense from really going off. So 
Um, yeah, I think it'll be a really interesting matchup here. Talking about seeds, Loyola already at 7-0, and um, securing a definite home game, at least for the postseason, with that seven wins. Um, obviously, still a lot needs to happen here with Saturday and the next Saturday against Mount Carmel. But um, wh- where do you see this Loyola team kind of projecting now with uh, postseason seeds and that kind of stuff? Is there a way, I mean, even potentially we'll talk about it later on with the loss potentially to Mount Carmel. I feel like this team definitely has to be at least a one seed, if not a two seed, but could they potentially drop more based on who else is in class A with Lincoln way East and Lombard West and those type of schools? I mean, sure. Um, you know, it's all, it's all the points. They do it all by points. They don't really leave it. Um, too much to uh, your thoughts or your, your opinions on what the teams are. Um, so um, yeah, I think they could drop. Um, it'll be interesting to see, but I, I mean, I, you know, just, just get to nine wins and, and worry about that after I'm sure that's the message. I'm sure it's beat Mount Carmel, but there is, if they were to lose to Mount Carmel, there's no sympathy for the Ramblers. Um, I don't think anybody's going to feel bad about putting them at a, at a seven seater, or whatever it is that's usually the first eight and one team. Um, that's just what happens. I just hope, you know, thinking ahead and and they're not, but we are, I just want them on the opposite side of the bracket as Lincoln Way East. <laughs> Put them on the opposite ends and let at least everything else get figured out. And they have a chance to meet. It drives me crazy where on, when they're on the same side of the bracket. So um, especially in years like this, where they're just that dominant in 8A. Yeah, we'll obviously get our IHSA hate coming out in the next couple of weeks now as we are getting closer to playoff projections. But um, let's get some scores now here with Week 8 football action. Uh, New Trier at Niles West, what do you expect to happen, Joe? New Trier to, to, you know, pad the highlight reel a little bit. Um, I think they're going to have some fun on Friday night. I think we're, we're going to see some fireworks from that offense um, and uh, maybe even that defense, I think they've shown in certain games, they can take the ball away. I think this might be one where their speed uh, plays a big, big role in uh, turning over the football. So uh, I, I see a good day for the Trevians and uh, we'll say they, they put up their highest output of the year, which I, uh, I think this would be um, 35 to I'll say 38. I'll say 38 to seven. Yeah, I think uh I think Nutrier should be able to uh, pick this one up pretty easily. I think I'll go with a 35 to uh, 10 score for the Trevians. I think they'll get that fourth win. And then things should get really interesting next week when we're looking for that fifth win against Maine. Uh, Maine South should make for some fun uh, week nine uh, drama. All right, Highland Park hosting Vernon Hills on Friday, Joe. Uh, Do the Giants get that fifth win to qualify for the postseason? I do. I think they're going to be focused and, and hyped. And I think they come out and they execute. I think, uh, you know, the game with Maine East helped them get on track, get back in celebration mode after a tough week six. And now they're ready to go. And they just put it on Vernon Hills a little bit and get that fifth win and um, qualify. So uh, as far as the score, um, I do think Vernon Hills is better than their one and six record. So I'll say about 24 to 12. Interesting. I'm going to go a little bit farther than that. I think I'm going to go with a 32 to uh, 10 win for Highland Park. I think they figured it out. I think they 
um, saw what happened and knows what's at stake. And I think the biggest thing is they don't, like you mentioned earlier, don't want to, um, they don't want to be playing for a week. They don't want to be playing for the fifth win in week nine. I think there's just too much pressure with it. I think they could potentially do it against Maine West and we'll talk about that more next week. But I think just take care of business, take care of what you need to do. Um, and I think Highland Park has pretty much done that. They've taken care of business against teams they needed to. I get like where they can be competitive with the exception of Deerfield. I think that Deerfield game is um, something that they're kind of learned a lot, a lot from. So I think they figured it out from that Deerfield game and learned what they didn't do well. So um, yeah, I think that uh, Highland Park wins um, and picks up that fifth win to uh, advance to the postseason. All right, Loyola hosting St. Patrick's on Saturday. Uh, do the Ramblers win, Joe? Yes, they do. Um... Yeah, they get right. You know, I feel like it feels every week I'm guessing the same Ramblers score. And I haven't really been right too often, but it feels right in that 42 to 7 range again. Um, but I'll say 42, 42 to 6. I, I don't know. That's That feels right. Ramblers take care of business. I think the offense really wants to get humming. And I'm really curious to know how, how long do the starters play? Does Holiday play them the whole game because he wants them to play the whole game board? based on talking to him earlier in the season, you got to stay healthy for Mount Carmel and you got to stay healthy for the playoffs. So I'm going to go with the 44 um, to 13 score. I think St. Patrick picks up a touchdown um, late in the game there, but I think uh, Rambers control this one pretty easily heading into halftime and uh, we'll set up an 8-0 and I expect Mount Carmel to win. It's going to set up an 8-0-8-0 matchup in week nine that um, I'm sure we're both very excited to talk about in next, next week's podcast. Yes, sir. All right, well, that's everything that we've got for uh, this week's episode of the podcast. Thanks, as always, for listening. Just a quick reminder that you can subscribe to the Varsity Podcast anywhere the podcasts are available. Give us a nice little review, and if we're not where you listen to podcasts, let us know, and we'll make sure to add it there. Check out older episodes of the Varsity Podcast. Check out older episodes with better, uh, with good uh, interviews there. We've got good stuff, good insight. Um, good insight from all the different weeks and fun interviews from different people um, from different sports. So um, always good to hear from a variety of different players and coaches. So we've got week eight to look forward to. We'll have week nine next week. So a lot to look forward to Um, until then for Joe and I, we'll talk to you guys next week. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Varsity, a product of the record northshore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom.